0: Hey, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're uh, newer around here, and uh, we appreciate you being with us today. It's a special little season that we're in that we are calling our World Christian Emphasis. It's an emphasis that not only highlights the fact that we are followers of Christ right here at home, but we're followers of Christ and engaged in His cause and in His mission all around the <coughs> world. And so thanks for being a part of this special emphasis. If this is your first time here, this is very different. We don't normally have it set up like this, and so you've been a good sport. Be with us like you have today, and uh, Scott's pleasure to have you here. I appreciate uh, your heart and that of your wife, and uh, we'll be prayerful to see what God continues to do with you guys and uh, what that next chapter looks like. Uh, I have been sharing a series of thoughts with you from the New Testament book of Ephesians. So, if you have a Bible, let me encourage you to get it, open it up. Near the end of the book, you'll find uh, a little letter that the apostle Paul wrote. To a church in a mega city of its day called Ephesus, and the book is called Ephesians. And we're going to be in the fourth chapter, and I'll be reading in verse 17 in just a moment. But as we get to that, I want to ask you uh, to think with me for just a moment. I know we've been having you think all morning, right? You've been brainstorming, you've been writing down all kinds of stuff, you've been great. Think with me for just another moment. What's the greatest problem that we face? The greatest need that humanity encounters. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of needs. And perhaps uh, just knee-jerk, immediately it came to your mind, debt. Whether that's your personal debt or our national debt. It's crushing. It's paralyzing. It's stifling. Maybe you thought about the health care. And uh, who doesn't have it and those that do, how uh, backbreaking it is, oftentimes. Perhaps you're thinking about education, the great equalizer. We just have a need to get more people educated to level the field so that everybody has equal opportunity. Or perhaps you were thinking our greatest problem right now is terrorism. We don't know when the next awful 9 11 could happen. We don't know when the next nut walks into uh, a Safeway. And starts shooting or leaves a backpack alongside of a parade route with explosives. We don't know when that's going to happen. How do we prepare? Or perhaps you're thinking it's, it's poverty. We've got so much injustice, so much inequality. We've got so much uh, pain and wounding. And, and people that are responding to that in broken ways that have them in broken situations. I'm not going to minimize any of these things. And there's maybe even another thing or two on your list that I haven't talked about. But what I want to suggest is as big as these problems are, as big as these needs are, there is one problem, one need bigger. And that actually all these other problems come out of. And that is the problem of our having a disconnect with God. Now, the text we're going to read in just a moment says, when we have a disconnect with God, the Creator who has created us for Him, for Himself, for a relationship with Him, when we have a disconnect at that point, the text we're going to read in just a moment says, that results in a hard heart. And I want to suggest to you that hard-heartedness and that has come out of a disconnect with God is the root to every other kind of problem, every other kind of scenario you want to imagine that is needy, painful, grievous, unjust. I mean, there was a time uh, in the founding of our country, and I don't want to paint that too flowery, but a number of those settlers came to settle it with the purpose and the plan of living to the glory of God and extending His kingdom and sharing good news that's found in the gospel around Jesus Christ. And so part of the debt situation was addressed by people not holding you in debt, just giving you what you needed. Poverty was addressed by me sharing what I have with your need. And... Uh, come. You can enter my fields. You can harvest some stuff that you need for your family. Healthcare, Of course, we didn't have all the technology that we have today, but we, we just were there for one another. and We would sit with one another in those hard kinds of times. Education. Well, all the early schools, all the early higher institutions of learning colleges and universities were founded by people with a soft heart toward God. All the early hospitals were founded by people who have a soft heart toward God. I don't know when we could go. So I want us to go ahead and get right into the text and see how Paul is going to outline this situation and what can be done about it. So picking up in chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. Now this I say, now this is the apostle writing a letter to these church members in Ephesus He's been addressing a number of issues and a number of situations. Now, I've been saying everything else. Now I say this, and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, last week, if you were with us, uh, Paul was talking about how do you walk? Will you walk in a manner that is worthy with the calling that God has put on your life? If you missed that, we'd encourage you to go online and listen, pick up one of these CDs today. It's a very important message. Will you walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling? And now in contrast to that, he says today, so please, if you're going to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling, please don't walk in a manner that represents your life, B.C., before Christ. And he categorizes that like the Gentiles do. Gentiles simply in this context means those who are disconnected from God. Those who have yet to come into a covenant relationship with God. He said don't walk like they. Don't live like they do. It's futile. The way they think. It's futility. And that's what happens with hard-heartedness. Hard-heartedness results in a blindness. Results in a darkness so that you see everything skewed. You see everything kind of like through shadows. You don't see things clearly when your heart is hard and life is darkened and blinded to you. So he says they are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous. And have given themselves up to sensuality and to greedy practice, to every kind of impurity. See, the birthing of all these problems, all these ugly, painful scenarios, right out of hard-heartedness and a blinding that that brings in our daily living. He said that uh, that's not the way, verse 20, you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and that you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. In other words, it's like he causes you to see things that you weren't able to see. He dissipates the darkness. You have clarity so that you understand what's the purpose of money. What's the purpose of career and vocation? What's the purpose of your marriage and your family and your home life? What's the purpose of community, cities, towns, villages, cul-de-sacs, whatever? You begin to see all these things differently when he has begun to renew your mind, to change your mind, to transform you. By the power that is in Christ and his spirit. So. Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Conclusion, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood. Remember, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers, those that have begun a journey of following Christ. Since you have begun to put this stuff away, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Let's be a new community. Let's be a kind of community that begins to express our hearts, express our thoughts with one another honestly. For we are members one of another. Be angry. You're going to get sideways with people from time to time. But do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. As you're living this new way and and putting on the new man, the the Christ-like kind of life, you're cutting off the access of evil. You're cutting off the access of our enemy, Paul says, the devil, so that he can't mess with what God's developing in us together. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. So that it may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. See how transforming, how thoroughly transforming this is. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you see. It changes the way you express and communicate and converse. It's through and through in totality. And he says in verse 30, this exhortation, So therefore, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, soft-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. I'm going to come back to a verse to talk about in just a moment. But let me just kind of encapsulate what we've just talked about. The greatest problem of the human heart is when it's hardened toward God. That's the greatest problem. Hard-heartedness brings darkness. Skews everything. God begins to do a work in you. He begins to transform you. He begins to give you a brand new life that impacts the life next to you here, the life next to you here, the life next to you here. Everything God does in you, He he then uses to bless others and to draw others to Himself. That's why we've been pleased to use over these weeks this theme of being a bridge. Everything that God is beginning to do in you as followers of Christ, He intends to use that to the betterment of others, to the blessing of others, to bring life and light to others. And so you've just spent all this time brainstorming, you know, how can my life be a bridge? How can I make a difference? What's God doing with me? What's unique about me? And how does that translate out? Uh, with whom uh, has God put around me that a bridge building can be happening? You've come up with some great ideas. I wish I could just move, like, from table to table and kind of glean all that. I think we're going to be putting up a lot of it so that you can look at it later. But there was one thing that occurred to me in my own little brainstorming moment leading up to today. And that has to do with how some of you uh, interact with a new phenomenon, a relatively new phenomenon. It's just the last few years, and that's called social media. And I wanted to take a moment to talk about that. And I'm asking Sam Hughes to come and talk with me about it because... Sam Hughes is Mr. Social Media. (laughs) So while Sam's coming, most of you know Sam. He's married to Laurie, and they've got a couple of boys, and they've got a girl that's expected and on the way, so congratulations about that. Sam works for one of the local tech companies, uh, something like that, around here. And um, he is uh, uh, very quiet, usually, around here, but very conversant in the blogosphere and in and, and the internet world. Anyway, Sam, I'm messing with you a little bit here, but uh, is this your chance? Okay. Uh, so when we say the word social media, some of you are just so all over that. We're not going to tell you anything new today, but others of you are like social what? So uh, Sam, just take a minute and say, explain to us what is social media?
1: Well, first off, uh, keep paying attention because I'm going to tell you a little known secret about Scott before we're done here. (laughs) Um, So social media is is a way to leverage your friends. It's usually in the internet uh, space. Uh, You were an early adopter, actually, with the blogging, uh, but there are new tools now available to share uh, information, photos, uh, thoughts, questions. I had a really interesting discourse the other day.
0: Yes, you
1: did. Yeah. You didn't answer my question, but
0: other people did. I'm going to let you buy me a cup of coffee for that one. We we won't do it online. But Sam just posed a little question. Wonder why Meadowbrook doesn't have much emphasis or acknowledgement about Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent and so on like that. It's a great question. And all of a sudden, I think you had 24 little hits and conversation pieces that came from that one little comment, which is a great illustration of what we're talking about here. Right. Right. And
1: There were non-believers on there, atheists even, (laughs) Uh, so it was an interesting discussion.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think it's obvious to me anyway that you kind of enjoy this a little bit, and every day there's a little tap-in to this uh, vehicle or to this website or whatever. Um, We've actually put on the backside of your program a listing of four potential sites. Some of you are already all over these things, and some of you are like, I've never... You know, looked at. It. I don't know anything about it. Uh, walk us through a little bit about how this might play out. I just gave one illustration, but kind of walk us through how does this how is this bridge building? Sure. Um,
1: so there, there. I think two things that you can really do that are kind of new. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is making it easier to find out uh, about a church in, in your in your neighborhood. Uh, I'm going to talk about you first. Okay. <laughs> Um, so a couple years ago, uh, I actually wrote a review on the site called Yelp, which is I think the last one in the list there. And what happens when you when you interact more with uh, different parts of the internet uh, or topics like Meadowbrook Church, um, it raises the, the ranking level on search engines, like uh, being in that other one, um, <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo or. <laughs> um, and the more activity there is, the higher it gets up on the list. And just by accident, I massively raised uh, Meadowbrook. When you search for churches in Redmond, it comes up. My review comes up near the top every time. Um, and, and Which, by the way, it was a good review, so I'm really
0: grateful for that. Yeah. Um,
1: but there are other ways. Uh, my, my personal favorite is, is on these, these phones now. Um, and you can use those to share and you can use things like Facebook and Foursquare and Twitter uh, to kind of share your ideas. Um, actually, here's the part where you get to find out about Scott. Uh, little known fact. Uh, take out all your cell phones right now, your, your Androids, your Windows phone, your iPhone. Scott loves it uh, when, when he's not worried at all about, about what you're doing on your phone at church. Uh, <laughs> I give you the benefit of the doubt that you're looking at your Bible. Yeah. Absolutely. I saw a number of you out there reading on your Bibles, but one thing you can do, I just want to show you how fast it is to check in. I always have Facebook open on my phone. Um, Just pick a few of your names here. Uh, You can check in and now 500 of my closest friends know I'm at church and what I'm doing and a few of you are here with me. I love that, 500 of my closest friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're all over the world, right? So yeah. there are new ways to, to connect. And I do have a good number of friends that, since I'm in software and in, in, in Redmond. Mm-hmm. A lot of the folks that I, I interact with are not believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes they ask me some pretty hard questions. And mm-hmm. That's my chance to just say one thing. Right. right. So uh, other things I've done is sometimes I put a Bible verse up. And I'd like you guys to do that this this uh, today. If you if you hear something that you thought of, I think it'd be really neat to see a whole bunch of check-ins or reviews. If you don't have to have a phone; uh, you can do it on your computer as well.
0: So just back to the Yelp site. Yeah. Let's just say somebody in the room hasn't ever touched Facebook, Twitter, or anything, but they wanted to maybe make a little difference. Uh, You would say to them, you know what, you could just go to that site. You could just click a little review about what your experience has been like at Meadowbrook. And that would make a difference. We have people, I don't know if you've been able to track how many people have actually checked out your review.
1: I don't know that number. But
0: but it's incredible. And every time I do a search, churches in Redmond, that thing just keeps popping up and it's a couple of years old. And so... Uh, if we had more of those kinds of things, it, it would be kind of remarkable like that.
1: Yeah, I know there are at least a couple people in the room that found Meadowbrook through, uh, through, through that review.
0: Um, so Okay. Uh, I'm,
1: I'm looking at one right now.
0: <laughs> well, we, uh, uh, sometimes Sam will make reference to an article that he's read in a magazine, and you can just kind of click like on that, and it goes to Facebook. I've done that. Several of you and your friends have then read these articles, and it just creates this conversation about faith about Christ. Yeah. Anything else that uh, occurs to you about what you uh, would want to say to us about it? I think I'm pretty good. I'm silent. Okay. No, no more secrets about to come out, huh? No. Okay. Thank you so much, Sam. Yeah. So let me also hasten to add, if you have kind of a conviction out of your prayer time, it's just like God has said, don't give your time to Facebook, to Twitter, things like that. We are not messing with that, okay? If you kind of feel a divine prompting not to touch that stuff, don't touch it. But if you're already in that world or if you've kind of been thinking about that world, it's a powerful way to, to build a bridge to make some connection. I put up a little cartoon yesterday uh, that just describes um, how did Christianity get f- founded? What, what was Jesus' role in, the, in all those witnesses around him? You know What part did that play? That thing just started bouncing around all over the place. And when one of my friends decides to repost something that I put on Facebook, it goes to all their friends. And if one of those pick it up, it goes off. So it's just this incredible day for us to be able to do a lot of virtual bridge building through that kinds of means. You've come up with a lot of other ideas as well. That happened in your cul-de-sac, that happened in your workplace, that happen throughout your family, that happen in this community and, and maybe other kinds of ways that you get involved in this community. I just want to uh, begin to close with this thought. What happens if we don't cooperate with God's work in us? You see, what Paul is saying is that you now walk a different kind of life because of Christ. Don't go back into the former way of walking. What was the former way of walking? Disconnect. Hard heart. Darkness and blindness about the things in their true and real sense. He said, don't go back into that. When you don't cooperate with the work of God's Spirit in you, you do not stand still you move backward and you move away from God. Every time there is a stirring of God's Spirit in you or around you and you don't respond to that or you say no to that, there is a hardening that takes place in your heart. And this is why in verse 30, Paul admonishes, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, you know what the word grieve means. It means to make sad It means to cause sorrow. He said, don't do that to the Holy Spirit. And you go, what's the Holy Spirit? Okay, you know that God has revealed Himself to us. He has pursued us and come after us. He's revealed Himself to us as a Creator, as a Father. He has pursued us and saved us as the Son and a Savior. And He also expresses Himself to us by way of His Spirit. It's invisible, it's intangible, but it's very real and sometimes palpable. And His Spirit is always around us. His Spirit is sometimes moving in and about us. And when whenever we cooperate with that, whenever we lean into that, His Spirit just becomes more active, more powerful, more per- pervasive within us. And whenever we are resisting that or saying no to that, we are becoming hardened and more distant and ultimately disconnected. Now, if you're not uh, familiar with what the Holy Spirit does, quick survey. The Bible tells us that He brings salvation to us. He's the one that begins to convict you about that and, and the idea of I want to know Christ. He's stirring that in you. Some of you, He's stirring that in you right now. He's been stirring that in some of you every week for the last few weeks. I've had conversations with some of you about it. It's an awesome thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit transforms us. When you come to Christ, His Spirit then begins to dwell in you and change you. Change the way you think. Changes your appetites and the things that you desire out of this world. Changes your hopes. Your disposition. Everything, even down to the way you talk. That's why Paul was admonishing about all that. He transforms us. And then this text tells us he seals us until the day of redemption. That is to say, he makes you secure in God. Once you are in God's hand as God's son or God's daughter because of your faith in Jesus, nothing can ever pull you out of that. He seals you in that. You're secure forever. And he empowers us for the mission of Christ, which is what we've been talking about, so he gives you opportunities with people. He gives you time to say something, he gives you the words to say, He gives you times to do something and, and guide you in what you're doing, how you're encouraging somebody, what you're giving to them, how you're blessing them, you put a hand or an arm around them and you're encouraging. Them. He gives you those opportunities and stirs you to act in those kinds of ways. And in all of these matters that I could give you another fifty, but for the sake of time, in all of these matters, When you say yes to Him or lean into Him, it only accentuates more in you. But when you say no and resist that, then it creates distance and hardness. And so Paul admonishes, please, 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 don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Lean into Him so that He has the full transforming work that He wants to do in you. Now, very interesting. Fast forward all the way to the end of the Bible. What's the last book? Revelation. And the beginning of the book of Revelation has a message, a word from Jesus to seven churches, right? Some of you know this. And it's kind of describing the end times and what's going to happen when Jesus returns to us as Lord and as judge and so on. And he gets into that whole discussion by first giving a specific message to seven churches. The first church he addresses in Revelation chapter 2 is the church in Ephesus, the church that this letter was written to by Paul. And in that uh, moment where Jesus is addressing the church, this is years after Paul. Jesus says to this church, there's a lot to commend you for. You've been serious about theology. You've been serious about getting rid of false prophets and false messages. You've been serious about serving. You've been diligent. You've persevered. You've been through all kinds of oppressive, persecuting kinds of things. There's a lot to commend. But I've got a major problem. Jesus said, you have lost your first love. Speaking of Him. Very busy about the things of faith. Very busy about the things of church and so on like that. But the heart had not stayed sensitized to Jesus. Passionate about Jesus. And so that's the plea that I leave you with today from Paul. Don't grieve the Spirit. How long has it been for you? Since you had that sensitive Sense of His activity in you and around you? How long has it been since you've had that sense of intimacy? You can hear whispers from Him. I don't mean audibly, but just in your heart. Little thoughts appear and you go, you know, I know that's God talking to me. How long has it been since you've had joy in the Lord? How long has it been since you've been able to sing a song like we've sung today? And it just move you and you just enjoy God's presence as you express yourself to Him in that kind of way. How long has it been since reading the Bible has been dynamic and meaningful to you? How long has it been since prayer was a meaningful exchange between you and God? Friends, if, if these things are, are a little alien to you right now, it's not happening very well or very often for you right now, You may be grieving the Spirit. You may be creating distance. And I want to encourage you not to grieve. I want to encourage you not to resist and to say no to the things of the Spirit. I want to encourage you to ask yourself, is there some area of disobedience? Is there some area that He's been tugging my heart and I've been saying no or not yet? What would it take for you to say yes right now? Will you receive Jesus and His saving work in you? Would you yield to that transforming work of God's Spirit? Would you live Jesus' mission by God's Spirit? Let me pray for you. Father, thank You for meeting with us in these moments. Thank You for by Your Spirit stirring in us Communicating to us. Bringing light so that we can see some things we need to see. I pray for every friend in the house today that they would be able to say yes to you. Yes to whatever you're calling on them about today. And I pray that for the sake of of Jesus' glory and Jesus' work in us. Amen.